if you've ever watched action movies or old westerns, uh, you may have heard the phrase, prepare to meet your maker. You don't hear that too much in movies anymore because it's so cliche. Uh, but what I don't understand is if I was ever in that situation, I'd be like, oh, listen, I'm not prepared. I need to call my lawyer. I don't have my, my, my will. It's not up to date. My beneficiaries haven't been listed. So, you know, give me a couple weeks and I'll get back to you. Like, I think, and use that if you're ever in that situation because you can't tell me to prepare to meet my maker and not give me the time, right? But we're not. Generally, we're not prepared to meet our maker. And I'm assuming that if you're sitting here today or, or watching online, then you believe that there is a maker, that there is a God who has created you, and that there's a God who is author of the story of the universe. And your particular story is just a small part of that overarching story but nonetheless, you, you have a maker, and you will meet him one day. And we sang that beautiful song about um, being in God's presence. But in our scripture reading, John the Baptist, he wants to prepare all of his listeners so that they, to, to meet the maker. That's what he's doing. That's what he's trying to prepare them to. And, and uh, in Matthew 3, that's our scripture. We started last week a series, a new series uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, because 2,000 years ago, there was this fellow named Matthew who wrote about God's big story, about what God was doing in the universe, and how this Jesus was the capstone of that story, and how Jesus invited Matthew, a tax collector, an outcast, into that larger story and totally changed his life, that Matthew was prepared to meet his maker because he met Jesus, the Son of God. And Matthew wrote about that. Now, again, just a review. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. So in the, your Bibles, you've got the Old Testament, the New Testament. Matthew is the first book right there. And it's called a gospel. A gospel is a book that speaks of the life and death and teachings of Jesus Christ. The story of Jesus and and all of the uh, things he said and did. That's what a gospel is. And that's what Matthew writes for us. And last week, we, we talked about the introduction, chapter 1, and how Matthew really wanted to emphasize that this Jesus, who's going to be born, he is the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. We're going to skip chapter 2, um, Jesus' birth, but fear not, we will return there at Christmas time. okay? But just to give you a, a little idea, the end of chapter 2, so we're in chapter 3 now, the end of chapter 2, it, it ends with... Uh, Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus in Nazareth. Okay, that's a town in Jerusalem. Excuse me, a town in Israel, uh, north of Jerusalem. And now, chapter 3, we fast forward. We, uh, Matthew, he fast forwards about 30 years to the beginning of Jesus' ministry and his baptism. But he doesn't really start with Jesus' ministry. He starts with the ministry of this guy named John the Baptist, who was called the Baptist, not because he went to Second Baptist Church, but because he was dunking people in water and everyone was going out to him. And so let's unpack this scripture. Be, because John, he was preparing the way for Jesus and the kingdom of God. 
That's what he was doing. He's preparing everyone to meet their maker. So let's unpack these words. And Amy read it well, but let's just go deeper here. Um, verse 1, it says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. So he's in the desert. Uh, he's baptizing people. And his message is this, verse 2, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Matthew says that this person, this, this John was who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, who said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And then it describes this John, and uh, he wore a, a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. That reminds us of the prophet Elijah. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Now, I don't know if we were going to have that at coffee hour, but... <laughs> You know, locusts, you dip them in honey, they're crunchy on the outside, soft and chewy on the inside. Um, so maybe in a future coffee hour, we can have that, you know, just to get into the spirit of it. Um, <laughs> right, if I eat one, then you'll eat one. So this is John the Baptist. He's going, and then it says, and then Jerusalem and all Judea, all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So Matthew, he sets up the situation. And Jesus' ministry, it starts by overlapping with John's ministry. This guy named John, and he's called out again because he's baptizing people in the Jordan River. So why would Matthew do that? Why would he start Jesus' ministry out by talking about this John the Baptist? A couple reasons. First is that John was pretty famous. A lot of people had heard about John the Baptist. In fact, uh, Josephus, who was a Jewish historian at this time, he includes a section in his history about John the Baptist. And, um, but it's not just that he was famous. I mean, that's a part of it, but more that people had heard of him. And more importantly, he was the one who the Jewish people were expecting, who would be a forerunner to the Messiah, who would prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. And in fact, the reason they thought that was there was a couple of scriptures. One was Malachi 4, 5, but the other, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, and that's what Matthew quotes. He says, this John the Baptist, he's the one that Isaiah spoke about, that he would prepare the way of the Lord because the Lord is coming. He's bringing his kingdom. And here, the Lord that's being referred to is God, is Yahweh, that he is coming. So when, if John is preparing the way of the Lord, then the Messiah, the one who is to come, he is going to usher in the kingdom of God, the presence of God in an unprecedented way. And so John is saying, prepare the way for the Lord's arrival. He is, he is coming. That's what John's function was. And how? How do we prepare? How did he call people to prepare for God's coming kingdom? Repentance. Repentance. And, and John's baptism was an expression of repentance for that coming kingdom brought through the Messiah. And I said it because it, John's baptism is called the baptism of repentance in verse 6, verse 11. And it was a bit unusual for that time because 
uh, in the Jewish culture there, I mean, sometimes you would dip yourself in water to prepare to be cleansed for the temple, but this idea of, of baptism, it was mostly done for Gentiles and pagans who were coming into the Jewish commu community. It was a way of repenting of, you know, I've been following false gods, and now I'm repenting of that. I want to be, I'm, I'm being cleansed and being ushered into uh, the Jewish people. But John, he, he's calling everybody to repentance. He's calling everybody to baptism, which, again, is, is very different than what they were used to. And the reason is that God's kingdom is coming. And the, the, the change that's going to happen, it, it requires Lottie Dottie, everybody to turn to God. And so Christian baptism, it, you know, when we just had some Christian baptism, it, it does involve repentance, but it's also baptism into the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I'll talk about that in a second. But it does still look to John's baptism as the beginning and as the example of, yes, it's turning and preparing our hearts for God's coming kingdom, preparing our hearts to receive the Messiah and all that he is doing. But that baptism, John's baptism, was a, a symbolic proclamation that someone had received John's message, right? That the kingdom of God is coming, receiving that message to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, what's, I, I want to, I'll point this out when we get to this section, but what's interesting is when Jesus starts his preaching ministry in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, do you know what it says that his message is? Verbatim, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He repeats that. So, but what is repentance then? Because if, if John says it, that gets our attention, but then Jesus says it too. What is repentance? Repentance is, again, basically you're going the wrong way, that you're, you're going a, a direction that is not in step with God's way. And then repentance is that you turn, you turn to God. And especially you turn to him because you know that he up at any time and you want to be right with him. So instead of uh, running away from him or being stationary, you run to God. Because God is gracious and merciful and abounding in steadfast love. So that's what repentance is. That I'm not ready this, this realization of our utter need for God to cleanse us because if he shows up, I'm not ready. I'm not totally right with him. That's what repentance is. That we've done wrong things, that we need to, we need to get right and get in step with God because that important day is coming. <clears throat> now, that word repentance, repent, we don't hear that word that much in our culture anymore. It's like repentance is a bad word or something. Is that we, we don't call people to repentance, we just affirm them for whoever they are and whatever they're doing. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is I, the, the, the world, the universe, it's not centered on me. It's centered on God. And that we need to get right with God and put him back at the center of our lives and the center of the universe. And to get right with him is to repent. We've gutted the theology of repentance 
And in so doing, we've undermined the gospel. But here's the thing where John comes and says is that it's not just them who need repentance. Those people who were flocking to John, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes that everyone said, oh yeah, they need to be, they, they better get right with God because if he's coming, they're not going to have a chance. No, it's everybody. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so it's not just for the tax collectors, the sinners, the adulterers. It is for those who engage in gossip. It is those who put themselves in the center of the universe. It's those, again, the, the, who are prideful. All of us. And John calls us to it. And the good news, the good news is that God in his grace, he is not looking for the religious. He is looking for the repentant. And if we are repentant and run to God, he will receive us because that's why Jesus came. That's the good news of the kingdom. But you can't understand the amazing grace of that good news until you understand that you and I have no business in God's presence because we have sinned and fallen short of his glory. And that was what John's message was. He was saying, prepare to meet your maker and I know that repentance, that's a bad, it seems like it's a bad word in our culture, but it's not. It's a glorious word because in that word, there is life. There is taking the truth that the universe exists, that God, the creator, is at the center of the universe, and it puts that back into perspective that, yes, God is the center, and I'm not the center, and thank God I'm not the center because that would be a small universe. Especially because, for me, I'm real short, so it would be a real small universe. The kingdom of heaven. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's the kingdom of heaven? Well, first I want to I point out that in the other gospels, in Mark, Luke, and um, when Jesus is talking, he says the kingdom of God. But here he uses the phrase kingdom of heaven. Why does he do that? Well, remember, Matthew's gospel was especially written to the, to the, the Jewish people. And in Judaism, you can't say the name of God, right? You, you, don't, you don't want to even come close to it. You don't want to take God's name in vain. And so what you would often do is instead of saying God, you would take a word to replace that word like heaven because God's in heaven. So this just shows the Jewish flavor of Matthew's gospel. He's saying, all right, the kingdom of God is drawing near. This new epic in God's story. But with the Messiah's arrival, um, the decisive manifestation of God's plan, of his story on earth, it's so near that people must respond. And we respond with repentance. But the doors to the kingdom are wide open and there's many new people flocking into the God's kingdom. And that's the great news. But John also, he, he, he warns some people. Because if you're repentant and if your heart is humble and you know your need for God, God is there with open arms. But then he gives a warning to those who think they're okay. It's in verse 7, the religious leaders of the day. Verse 7, it says, When John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume, presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able to, from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. 
Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit, good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandal I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. John is not subtle here. He has the subtlety of a flying toffee hammer. Um, And, I mean, John, come on, all that fire, brimstone kind of talk, that doesn't fly now, you know. But no, where is that directed towards? That warning of the fire he, he's, he's directing it to the religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, who are those? Those are two of the main sects of Judaism in Jesus' day. They were somewhat a cross between relig- a religious faction and a political party. Um, but here's the thing about them, is they were religious, but they were not repentant. They were religious, but not Repentant. And so although they did a lot of religious things and they had a lot of religious knowledge, John is saying, you're not prepared. You're not prepared to meet your maker. And John says, true repentance, it, it results in a changed life. Fruit, fruit of the kingdom. That's in verse 8 and 10, he talks about fruit. That's a, a radical turning to God because God is doing something radically new in his king, establishing his kingdom. But the religious leaders, they came to observe what John was doing, but not to take part in it. Because they saw those tax collectors, they saw the prostitutes and the sinners being baptized, and they're like, yeah, good, because if, God, if John's right and the kingdom of God's coming, yeah, they, they need to clean up their act. They need to repent. They need to get ready. And that's when John says, but you're not ready. You are not prepared They were relying on their past. They were relying on their education. They were relying on their religiosity and that they were children of Abraham. And John warns, he says, don't you think that in this coming kingdom, what God is doing is he can raise up children from Abraham? So don't look to the past. Don't look to your ancestry to say that you're fine. No, be ready yourself. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. And I know that Fire, that brimstone talk doesn't resonate today. But John, he's like, I don't, I don't care what you think because I'm baptizing you with the water of repentance. That's true. But it's almost like, don't care what I think because there's one coming after me. That's the one I'm preparing you for. He is the one. He is the judge. John's not the judge. I'm not the judge. But the judge is coming, and you need to be ready for his coming. Because, yeah, I'm baptizing you with water. I'm giving you this message but it's really the one who's coming after me, who's establishing the kingdom of God, God's presence. He's the one that we must regard. He's the one we're repenting to. John doesn't want people to run after him. He wants people to run to God. That's where repentance is. And many of the religious leaders, see, when, again, we don't like this talk of, of fire and brimstone. I, I, get, I don't, and I sense that, and that's why sometimes you know, it's like, all right, how can I couch this? But we can't get around it. Because all of us, when we think of God's coming kingdom, we all are like, yes, I hope God does away with all evil, right? 
I mean, I want, in God's kingdom, I want him to, to, take, to take all evil, all injustice away, right? That's a part of his kingdom. Don't you want that, right? For God, eternity, for God to say, oh, like, uh, this is sin, this is suffering, this is evil and injustice. I wanna, I'm gonna remove that so that in my kingdom that there's love, joy, peace, and, and the presence of God. Like, we all want that. And in fact, the, the religious leaders, many of the, uh, of the day, were like, oh, good, God's kingdom is coming, and he is going to wipe out the Romans. Because those Romans, they have been oppressing us, and they are evil, and they're butchers, and I can't wait for God to remove that evil from our midst. But this is where John the Baptist and Jesus say, but what about the evil in each one of us? See, we want God to do away with all evil except the evil that we happen to hide in our hearts. We want him to do away with the injustice in the world, but what about the injustice that we've taken part in? And that's why John says everybody needs repentance. Not just because God is coming, and, and yes, we want him to get rid of all evil and sin. But when we see we're a part of the problem, that's why we run. That's why we run to God and say, God, I need your cleansing. I need your forgiveness because I cannot stand in the presence of the perfectly good and holy God. And so some of you might be thinking, all right, well, John was saying kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was saying it, but uh, the world didn't end then, right? Heaven didn't come from, from heaven to earth, the new Jerusalem. All that stuff wasn't established. But the kingdom was present in Jesus. We don't have time, but in the Holy Spirit series, we talked about the already not yet nature of the kingdom, that the kingdom in Jesus was present. Already the kingdom of God was showing up in the presence of Jesus because Jesus is the son of God. The presence of Jesus is the presence of God. He was establishing the kingdom, but it's not yet full and final. Right? The day of judgment has not happened. Uh, God has not done away with all sin. And so we're in this already not yet period. But the kingdom of God was already present in Jesus. And the kingdom of God is present in the community who accepts Jesus' message. And we begin to, to work out God's purposes throughout the earth. So the, the kingdom was present in Jesus. And that's why when Jesus shows up, to be baptized by John, John recognizes, wait a minute, I am face to face with the, with the Messiah. I am face to face with the one who's establishing God's kingdom. This is in verse 13, it says, yeah, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. But John prevented, would prevent him and saying, wait, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so for now, for it's fitting to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. So John, again, what I appreciate about that, I think we miss, is that John is saying, yeah, la di da everybody needs to repent. And John includes himself in this. Because when he sees Jesus, when Jesus shows up, John says, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to be baptized by you. So John, he even saw, wait, I, I'm, I'm just a human being, so I need to be uh, made right with God. And, and this is the guy. He's the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. Lord, so you baptize me. But Jesus says, wait a minute. 
No, let it be to fulfill all righteousness. What what does he mean by that? Well, Jesus, yes, he is the son of God, but he is also the son of man. He's fully God and fully man, and he is our representative. He lived a perfect, righteous life. The only person to not need repentance, to not need to be baptized, was Jesus. And yet he wants to fulfill all that righteousness, because what is righteousness? It's basically following and following God, be, being obedient to whatever he tells us. And he knows that, all right, this is the path that God has placed before us as, a, as people, to repent, to be baptized, to come to him, to be ready for his kingdom. And because I'm representing, Representing the new kingdom. Let it be, John, I want you to baptize me. And I also want to show that, John, your ministry is a part of God's bigger story. So as I am baptized, I'm also, Jesus says, I'm also putting my stamp of approval on your ministry, that it, we're a part of the same story. And then when Jesus is baptized, what does it say? He went up from the water, verse 16, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he, we, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. At Jesus' baptism, the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And that voice is the voice of the Father, but he's also which is amazing because God doesn't need to quote scripture because when he speaks, that's scripture. But he quotes Psalm 2-7, which is a a royal enthronement psalm that Jesus is being formally installed and commissioned as as, as as the one who is ushering in the kingdom. He is the Messiah, and now his messianic ministry begins. The kingdom of God was present in Jesus and that Father, Son, and Spirit, that Trinitarian kind of beginning, right, where we see Jesus, the Son, being baptized, the Father saying, this is my Son, the Spirit coming down as a dove, all three persons of the triune God are taking part in God's kingdom. And then we notice at the end of Matthew, in Matthew, the Great Commission, when Jesus, before he ascends to heaven, he says, you know, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth, and go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and at the end, we see this Trinitarian idea that the kingdom is pressing into this world. So prepare to meet your maker That's what John says. That's what Jesus says. So that's the passage. We've looked in Matthew. We've looked at chapter 3. And you might be thinking, oh, that's pretty interesting. That's some new idea, you know, new new views of some things. That's, yeah, that's really interesting. But how do we apply it? Well, in this case, the application is pretty pretty simple. It's verse 2. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I mean, that's, that's the message that John says. That's the message that Jesus says. We need to be prepared to meet our maker. And that preparation, it's active. Uh, repentance is active. See, our problem, I think, in our culture, is it's not that people are running from God. They, they, they are, but they don't really think of it that way. Our problem more, especially if you're from a, ch- a Christian background, it's passivity. It's remaining in place when Jesus says, no, no, run to God. 
And we're like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I've, I've done the thing. You know, I, yeah, I was, I was baptized a while ago, so I'm, I'm fine. Or I grew up in this church. Or I've been going to this church for, for, you know, dozens of years. It's passivity is our problem. Tim Keller, one of my favorite preachers, says, if you are not running from God or to God, then you don't really understand who God is. Because God is the all-powerful one. He is the perfect and holy one. He is the creator of all things. He is the author of the big story. And we will meet him soon. And we need to be prepared. So we either, if, we're, if, if we understand that, we're going to run from him. But why instead when we can run to him? Run to and acknowledge your utter need for God. Run to him. And I, I cringe sometimes when often when I, when I give sermons like this, you know, that are kind of in your face and stuff, uh, afterwards folks will say, oh, pastor, that was a good message. I hope they heard it. <laughs> now, now, I know none of you will say that now. <laughs> but yeah, I hope they heard it. Well, I hope I heard it. I hope you heard it. Because we all need to be prepared for our maker. And passivity, that's not the answer. It's to run to God. And the good news, though, is that if you run to God, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, because that's why Jesus came. Because notice that it says, when Jesus was baptized, what did the voice say? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And when we place our faith in Jesus, when we run to the Messiah, what we're doing is we are trusting him and his work, not our own. So that a great exchange takes place in the kingdom of God, where Jesus lived a perfect life that God is pleased when he sees the son he is pleased with Jesus. But what Jesus says is, I'm going to take your sins and I'm going to die on the cross and I'm going to give you my life so that when God looks at you and I, when we've trusted in God, God sees a child in whom he is well pleased because he sees Jesus, not you, not your sin. And that's the good news of the kingdom is that we say yes to God. I'm running to you and I'm receiving what you have for me. That's how we prepare. And so if you hear this message and you're like, oh, yes, I need to get right with God by doing this, 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 and this. No, don't hear that. It's like, I need to get right by God to running to Jesus and trusting in his work and realizing that it isn't my work. Even my best efforts fall short. But we don't need our effort. All we need is repentance. Again, I'm not, John is not, Jesus is not calling you to be more religious. He's calling you to repentance. And baptism is a picture of that. And so as we sing this last song, maybe there's some of you who are like, I need to get in that water. Because I, am, I need to prepare. Like, I want to be ready for the maker. He is coming, and I trust in Jesus. After the song, like, I'll go in there. Like, we could do this again. That's why I left the water in there. I even have a, brought an extra towel. <laughs> so, yeah, as, the, as this last song is playing, just come forward.
But also there's some of you who've already been baptized. And because we're baptized into Jesus' work, into his, his work, his death and resurrection, you don't need to get baptized again, right? Because that's our saying, all right, I've trusted in you, Jesus. I trust in your work. That's what baptism is. But you may be looking back on that day and saying, but yeah, I, I'm not taking the right steps. Um, I've become, somehow I've become religious but not repentant. Every day we need repentance. Every day God calls us to himself and his arms are still open. Will we walk in his newness? Will we trust in him and have that joy of knowing Jesus took care of it all? He took care of it all. His kingdom is here and because of his grace, I want to walk I want to walk every day in his grace. I want to be ready today that, yes, Christ forgive me when I mess up, but like when I meet him, I, want, I, like, I don't want anything holding me back. And so maybe it's, there's a relationship. Maybe there is finances. Maybe there is something that you know. If God shows up, yes, I, I've trusted in him, but I'm not going ple- to be proud of that. I want to hide that, but yet I know I don't want to run from God with this thing. I want to run to him. Then, yeah, you don't need to go to the waters of baptism if you've already been baptized. But bring that thing to God in repentance. As Peter prayed, not just remorse, but repentance, trusting in Jesus' work, not your own. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you and we acknowledge that we have fallen short every one of us, Lord. And when we come into your presence, each one of us, Lord, from, from pastor to first-time visitor, we fall on our knees and say, Lord Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. But we thank you, Lord, that you went through the bloody baptism, the death, uh, your death on the cross so that we should have no fear in coming to you if we are truly repentant, Lord, that you will cleanse us And so I pray, Lord, that right now, if there's someone who needs to be baptized and they know it's the case, that they would come forward during the song. But I pray each one of us, Lord, we would be repenting because we want to be ready to meet you face to face. But even in that, we're thankful. Lord, that no matter what we do or fail to do, it really is about your grace. We want to run to you because we trust you. We want to run to you because our stories have become too small. We want to be plugged into your bigger story in everything we do. And we thank you for that privilege. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.